0: Like a thing to tighten it's a you know what yeah, hang on we're recording but i'm leaving the room
1: drink drink shit welcome Welcome to Ghosts and House. Ghosts and House, the paranormal podcast, where Danielle's microphone is possessed by some kind of arm-raising demon. Jesus Christ! <laughs>
2: and as you can tell, we are back in studio today. We are, hooray! We might sound weird because we have masks on we today. We Do just in case. Last week of safety.
1: Yep. Let's make a, My nose ring keeps getting caught on the inside of it, and it's real itchy. Oh, yeah, I did take an allergy pill today, so it's not that. It's just my nose ring being a wang. Yeah, I'm just
2: going to hold this (laughs) down here. (laughs) So, shit, uh, I have so many backhoes. You do, because you... you, Yes, because last
1: week it was the tin can episode.
2: The tin can episode. So, okay, all the backhoes in all the land. So, uh, first of all... After my story about um, about Black River Falls, I got a message from a friend and listener, Victor. Mm. And he was telling me that his co-worker is from uh, Wisconsin, so he asked him abla- about Black River Falls, and his coworker li- looked it up on a map and said he hadn't been there, but he knows the area. He also said... Uh, Wikipedia said the town was such a shithole that it drove people crazy and they killed themselves. That's the best description of Wisconsin I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's that. But he also said, and it was something that I had seen when I was researching the story, um, because uh, Wisconsin Death Trip, the book, has be- is such a cult, has such a cult following that uh, the punk band Static X actually named an album Wisconsin Death Trip. Oh. Ah. Yeah. So there is that backhoe. And then, hold on, I had another one. I did. Hold on. Okay. Well. Ah, yes. So um, on our Instagram, <coughs> when you posted the photos from last week's story, uh, the Yazoo Witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of our uh, Instagram followers, uh, Jimmy Pats12, said, What's up with the Ray Rogers gravestone? So, in the photos, um, there you can see the gravestone. Mm-hmm. It's knocked over, it's yeah. split in half. And what that is, is let me tell you, because uh, basically, long story short, in 1990, um, one of he was very young actually, but he was a caretaker of the cemetery. It was also the same year because they always have to put up new headstones for her because they keep getting destroyed, stolen, yeah. vandalized. So they also added uh a tribute to him because he died that year, and that's really the only reason it's on there. Yeah. So there you go. That is the story of that. Bow, 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 the more you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, or ninety-five or Something like Sometime that. Sometime in the 90s. Yes. Anyway, that's, he, <laughs> he was the careta- a cemetery caretaker that died the year that the new monument was put up for the Yazoo Witch. So, Gotcha. Those are all my backos. What about your sources? Oh, yes. That, too. <laughs> uh, the Yazoo Witch sources. Visit yazoo.org. Only in your state. And the Clarion Ledger, Therese Apel. Nice. Yes. Um, I've got
1: a couple. Oh! And while you do that, you just boobed yourself. I'm coming that. for Ooh, I'm coming
0: for that microphone.
1: But see, now it's not doing anything. Now it's fine.
0: I'm gonna tighten it anyway.
1: Okay, good. Just in case, we don't need that to punch you in the face. Okay. Uh, okay. so first off, shout out to new patrons Jocelyn and Megan. R uh your your things are in the mail as of today? I did put them out over the weekend, but apparently the mail did not come to my house
2: we have things?
1: Yeah, two. Oh, good. Remember, this is why I made you sign everything. Oh, good. I was <laughs> like, wait a minute, I haven't signed anything. Uh, no, okay, that's got why. It. I did got it. it. It was a much <laughs> better idea to do it that way. We should have done it from the beginning. <laughs> because <But laughs> before, I had all of the stuff we send out, the pictures that we sign, and the stickers and everything. I have it all at my house in the Podfist. And so whenever we'd get a new patron, I would just bring everything here when we recorded, have Danielle sign it, and then I'd Send it or give it to her, and she'd drop it in the mail. And I was like, "It's probably be a lot easier if we just signed everything at a time." Yeah. So, but I do have to order some new pictures because um, we are almost out.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. And
1: um, probably some more stickers. If there are any ideas you have that you might want to see on a sticker, um, let us know. Any anything? I mean, fuck you, Bob is probably going to be. A, fuck you, Bob is going to be a big one. That's going to be a. We'll we'll do a limited run of those to see how it goes, but. Yeah, and we be, do
2: have some people wanting uh, those face masks, masks, yeah. That, so we should put, do that. Put look them into in, that. Yeah, um,
1: I actually did start looking into getting masks <laughs> made. Um, over the weekend, so that is something. If you do want. A mask. Let us know so we can know if it's if it's worth it or not. Probably, I mean, not a bad idea. So we're gonna be wearing. We got them. at least six months more of this shit, at guys. The at least bare yeah. minimum. Yeah. Um.
0: That's that's if that fucking company gets its shit together with a vaccine.
1: Bless it. Uh. So yeah. There's that. Also. Um. So listener, we were talking about making hash browns. Uh, uh-huh. Oh yeah! One listener recommended using a potato ricer to make better hash browns. Hmm. I'm like, interesting. I do love a potato ricer.
0: I don't know what that is. What? Mm-mm.
1: Okay, it's just a little like it looks like, like a civ. giant like a giant garlic press. Yeah, for potatoes. Uh, so you like okay.
2: you boil your potatoes and you put them through the ricer and then and you it mash makes them, them real, and whip real them fine and do and all and, those things.
1: Yeah. Highly recommended if you like very smooth mashed potatoes, mm. like this bitch makes over here mm-hmm. for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whenever
2: any holiday mashed potatoes.
1: Mashed potatoes.
0: I, I'm a fan of a little ch- a little, little chunky. A little chunky. I like, I like some right. chunk in my taters. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I also, I'm I also do too
2: sometimes though I like yeah. skins too. I'm yeah, also I also
0: skins I loved, on.
1: I love Potatoes with skins, but yeah. also
0: my mashed potatoes are also very heavy with goat cheese and butter. Ooh. Into yeah, that. yours
1: have it's there's
2: what, sour cream, cream cheese? Yeah, it depends on which ones I'm making. Yeah. But yeah. Real oh, good. Cream
0: cheese both of those yeah. sound excellent. Yeah. They
2: are. Um yeah. And oh, some heavy whipping cream, mix, cream too. Yeah, sometimes I'll mix green onions in them and then yeah. spread them in a baking pan and then bake them. Yep. Ooh. It's like mashed potatoes. Yeah. yeah. It's real good. Yeah.
1: But I Highly recommended. It's redonculous. Yeah, but so. it just makes them a little smoother. Uh-huh. So I was like, that would, I would try and make mashed potatoes with a ricer. Yeah, I mean, it gives me an excuse to use my potato ricer. Mm-hmm. Number one. There you go. Uh, and then. The last backhoe I have has nothing to do with anything we've talked about recently. I just saw it online today and it made me sad because the Conjuring 3 release date has been pushed from September back till June 4th, 2021. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm,
0: so, yeah. I
1: mean, yes, but. It still makes me sad because really excited to see it because it's The Devil yeah. Made Me Do It. We've done that case on the show before. It's The Warrens. It's The Conjuring. All of my favorite things in one movie. I was super stoked. There was also going to be a nod to The South End Werewolf, which made me real excited. But then, yeah. So I'm just hoping that we'll get maybe a trailer soon. Sure,
0: I, I would imagine he'll put out a teaser. It's just like Halloween Kills that got pushed back a yeah. year. That shit was done.
1: This has been pushed back
2: 11 months, so yeah. (sighs) Lame. Boo. Lame. We're going to have to be real efficient in here today, friends. Yeah, it's
0: bad. I'll stop talking.
2: No, no, you have to stop talking. It's just, it's 91 outside.
0: Yeah, and this room has three extra inches of insulation on almost every wall.
2: And no central air. So, we are going to be very efficient today.
1: It's probably going to be a quick one.
0: (laughs) Quicker one.
1: You do. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do this. Wait. Yes. Uh, Yes. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I blocked out last episode, so. Uh. (laughs) As you should have. Yeah. Anyway, so I've got a good one, though. I've I've got a real good one. That's why I didn't do it last week, because I was like, oh, hell no. I'm not wasting this on some bullshit call-in. So, now... Today, I'm going to talk about Hans Schmidt, the only priest to be executed in the United States. Anyone? Anyone? Ooh, no? Right, no. Well, here we go. So, back in the before time of 2017, <laughs> there was... Wow, this is
0: really recent.
2: Yeah, well, no. There was a docuseries on the oh, okay. Netflix called The Keepers. I don't yes. know if any of you watched it or are familiar with it. No. If you're not, check it out. It's good. Disturbing.
1: I started it, but it's one of those things where you really have to be in the mood but and good. also pay attention.
2: Right. And I just could not find myself in that mental head place to right. keep watching it. Uh, it's a seven episode series, so I'm going to give you Cliff Notes version. It's about the unsolved murder of a nun named Sister Kathy Sesnick at a Baltimore all-girls school in 1969. What ends up coming out many years later is that several students come forward to say that a a priest, uh, A. Joseph Maskell, who was a counselor at the school, had been sexually molesting them from 1969 to
0: 1975.
2: Sister Sesnick, they think, had caught on and, well, this is where we, the public, if you didn't already know, find out what happens to a priest when there's accusation or, hell, even irrefutable proof of misconduct. Weird, is it Nothing. Sexual or otherwise, <laughs> I think it might be happens? nothing. Is it nothing? Yeah, priests ah, don't okay. get arrested. Priests don't get fired. The church and local archdiocese will cover scandals up as quickly as possible and at all costs. Mm-hmm. Offending priests simply get moved, move to a different parish. Which brings me to my story: the father of uh, uh, the story of Father Hans Schmidt. So now. Hans Schmidt, who was not an unattractive man by the way, in a Toby Maguire kind of way. Oh no. Was born in Bavaria in 1881 to a Protestant father and a Catholic mother. It is worth mentioning that mental illness did run on both sides of his family, so put that one in your pocket for later.
0: Wow, that is a very apt description of him.
2: He's good-looking in a Toby Maguire kind of way. Yeah. Show me
1: my eyes. <laughs> Show it to my eyeballs.
0: Huh. Yeah, right?
2: Uh, yeah, He's he's got Toby Maguire eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's not, a, he's not an unattractive man. So Hans was what you would consider an odd child. Okay. He was obsessed with Catholicism and the Roman Catholic rituals. He would play priest with his little homemade altar, and he always talked about becoming a priest when he grew up. It's all he wanted. He also, however really enjoyed hanging out at the local slaughterhouse.
0: (laughs) Daily.
2: Daily to watch the animals be slaughtered and butchered. According to some family members, Hans once cut the heads off of two of his parents' geese and kept those heads in his pockets. Oh! Now, to even further add to the dichotomy of the situation, Hans was also bisexually promiscuous in his teen years.
0: Okay, so we are at <laughs> ripping off goose heads, <laughs> likes, likes dudes and ladies, uh-huh. and really wants to be a priest. Right. God damn, is, is-, is he a serial killer? Because he's probably a serial killer. I
1: mean, that's a... That's a that checks
0: a lot of serial killer boxes. That is a p-
2: storm for uh-huh. a murderer. mm mm-hmm. uh-huh. well... <laughs> there's a reason he was executed. <laughs> so Hans went off to seminary school, and there's really not much to mention about his time there. Uh, just towards the end of... He did get in trouble for forging diplomas for failing students, and he was arrested. Oh, well, that seems like a very nice thing. It's right. fa- enough. Right. His father hired a lawyer, and the charges were dropped for reasons of mental defect. Oy, oy. So now... I'm going to need someone to explain to me how and why someone who literally everyone knew him had serious doubts about his moral and mental fitness to serve as a Catholic priest got ordained. Can someone tell me how he got ordained? Anyone? Because I'm going to say they don't care. That. Fair. <laughs> so, well, they're like, he's a white man. Done. Sure. You're hired. So, he did, uh, on December 23rd, 1904, by Bishop Kirstein of Mainz. Now, in a later conversation with a psychiatrist in New York, Hans said that the actual ordination took place on December 22nd and was done by St. Elizabeth herself. I'm sorry, what? He said, I was praying at my bedside when she appeared to me and said, I ordain you to the priesthood. There was a light during her appearance. I told no one. I thought it best to keep it to myself. They would make fun of me. They always made fun of me for these things. God speaks to different people in different ways. Okay. So now, for the first four years, Hans had parish assignments in Germany in the villages of Burgel and Mm -hmm. Seelingstadt. Mm -hmm. Well, air quotes, disputes with the Monsignor and bishops, would lead to his being relocated to the U.S. Mm -hmm. And by disputes, I mean, he had been repeatedly in trouble with the Monsignor for molesting altar boys, having affairs with several women, and visiting prostitutes. Uh, And they wanted him to fucking cut it out. Well, he didn't. His sermons were so odd and eccentric that his parishioners and other priests complained, so they passed him off, and in 1909, off to the United States he went. So, Father Schmidt's first assignment was at St. John's Roman Catholic Church in Louisville, Kentucky, but that was short-lived because he was butting heads with the senior pastor of the church, so the higher-ups relocated him again. This time, they sent his ass to St. Boniface Church in Midtown Manhattan in New York City. And here, my friends, is where shit gets worse. Of course, because it always does. In 1912, Hans met 20-year-old Anna Almuller. She had immigrated from Hungary in 1910 and had gotten a job as the housekeeper for the rectory of St. Boniface. Hans would later tell the psychiatrists that he heard a voice from God ordering him to love Anna. Oh, boy. Anna, of course, refused his advance, his, wow, words, mask, heat, <laughs> stroke. Cool. Anna, of course, refused his advances at first for obvious reasons. He's a fucking priest mm-hmm. and supposed to be celibate. Mm-hmm. But his Toby Maguire looks, she eventually gave in. Like I said, he wasn't ugly and... Anna, having her very own Thornbirds moment, began having a secret affair with Father Schmidt. If you don't know what the Thornbirds is, look it up. Little did Anna know, he was also having an affair with a dentist named Ernest Murrett, with whom he operated a counterfeit ring, but I'll get to that later. This guy is fucking busy. (laughs) Isn't he, though?
1: He's got his hands in all kinds of pots. Yep. Fonts. Is that a- balls? Also balls. <laughs> I mean, just like d- yes, put my fingers yes, and all these things. Mm-hmm. <ailing> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that how that song goes? Yeah. Exactly how okay. that goes. Yeah. Haven't you heard it? I- it's a class. I it's a priest it. classic.
2: I mean, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna put my fingers and all these things and people. Also all right. people, so- <poisoned>
1: but don't tell anybody. <laughs>
2: but no one cares. So for whatever reason, and I'm sure. We could all guess several of them. Uh, Hans was relocated yet again to St. Joseph's Church in West Harlem. Hans and Anna kept their relationship going and were eventually married, also against the fucking rules of the priesthood. I in, was just going to say. In a ceremony that he performed himself. Oh, so it was real legal. Then. On February 26th, 1913, to which I have to ask, can he fucking do that? I don't
1: I I don't know. It feels like a kindergarten marriage. Right? Like I am now your husband and you are now my wife, says
2: me. <laughs> He's ordained. He's a fucking priest. Yeah, but were there witnesses? No, there was a marriage certificate though. Hmm that he filled out. Hmm. But I mean, yeah, the certificate's there, but you have to well at least I these days you have to file it with the state. Yeah fucking girl. I don't know. I don't hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, so Hans told Anna he was going to leave the priesthood for her. Sure. So one night while Hans and Anna were boning on the altar of St. Joseph's I'm sorry. They were boning on the high altar of St. Joseph's. Okay. That's
1: actually kind of hot. Which can't be good. No, that's very sacrilegious but I'm into it. Hans
2: said he received a message from God. Well, if you're doing it right, you should. Now, I'm sure you're all thinking the Lord said, stop fucking on my altar. (laughs) But no, no, no. No. No, the message Hans said he received was an order to sacrifice Anna.
1: Oh, that's never great. Right.
2: So Hans would later say that the order from God was so insistent and repeated so many times that he actually felt compelled to tell Anna what he was hearing, to which she replied, You're crazy. Yeah, I wonder if that voice also maybe sounded like him. So... Richard Chase's friend. Anna should have taken that as her cue to bounce. But very soon after that high altar fucking incident, Anna (laughs) found out she was pregnant. Oh, fuck. Now, buckle up, friends. It's about to get real bad. So, see, Hans never had any intention of leaving the priesthood for Anna or anyone else for that fucking matter. A secret affair was one thing, but a pregnant wife of a priest? See, now that's quite another. Yeah. Yeah. So, on the night of September 2nd, 1913, Hans went to the apartment he had rented for him and Anna to play house in while he wasn't busy being a priest. And while she slept... He slit her throat with a 12-inch butcher knife, Ah! then drank her blood No! and had sex with her as she bled out. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. And when she was dead, he dismembered her body mm. and wrapped each section in newspaper. He put her lower body into one of her pillowcases that was monogrammed with the letter A. He then tied large rocks to all the pieces, went down to the Hudson, and dumped them. Hans then went to St. Joseph's in the morning to offer Mass and Holy Communion without skipping a fucking beat. Right. So, three days later, on September 5th, two kids playing on the New Jersey side of the Hudson found the upper torso of a woman and three miles downriver in Weehawakon, New Jersey, the lower section of the body was found. Even though the body was in New Jersey... The type of rock that was tied to the body parts is called schist, and it's mainly found in Manhattan, huh. specifically the end, and it's rare in New Jersey. Huh. So the Jersey police knew that it was a case for New York, not them. So they handed her over. Huh. Uh, the autopsy performed told the authorities the body was a female, under thirty, around five foot four, and between one hundred and twenty and one hundred and thirty pounds. The autopsy also revealed, let me turn the page, that the woman had had a miscarriage shortly before she was murdered. Hmm. So, the pillowcase that held the upper torso still had the price tag on it, which, through some decent police work, was traced to a factory in New Jersey, then traced to a furniture store in Manhattan. Inspector Joseph Farout went to Joseph Sachs Furniture and he and Mr. Sachs were able to narrow it down to a purchase made August thirteenth, 1913 to a Mr. A. Van Dyke and was delivered to his address at 68 Bradhurst <laughs> Avenue. Inspector Farouk went to the address, questioned the building's super, and told them he told them that the apartment was rented to a married couple, a man with a heavy German accent with the last name Schmidt. After a three-day stakeout with zero activity, Inspector Fruit ordered Detective Frank Casasa to kick the door in. There they found bloodstained walls, a large bloodstained knife, and letters addressed to Hans Schmidt, and most of them were from an Anna Almuller, whose last address was 428 East 70th, and that's where they had learned that she worked at St. Boniface, which then led them to St. Joseph's, which is where they asked Senior Pastor Daniel Quinn if he knew the name Hans Schmidt. He immediately led them, immediately led them <laughs> to where Father Schmidt was napping. And as soon as they woke him up, literally, they wake him up. He sees them standing there. He just shouts, I killed her. I killed her because I loved her. Sacrifices should be consummated in blood.
0: Okay.
2: He then discri- That he was then- a quick mystery. Yeah, he then described the murder and dismemberment in all its gory detail, and his fellow priests stood there listening in absolute fucking horror. He was immediately arrested. Oh, why? Yeah, I know. Weird. <laughs> and he cle- I Did he know she had had a miscarriage?
1: Hmm. All
2: I'm right. going to guess... Right? No.
1: But even if he had...
0: I think if mm, he knew, he probably would have killed her sooner.
2: He would have done it anyway. I think he would
0: have killed her sooner. I think he would have seen it as as, like, a disgrace to God or something.
2: So, in December 1913, Father Hans Schmidt went with an insanity plea. He said he heard voices and mental illness ran in his family, so due to his mental instability, he should not receive the death penalty. The prosecution, however, thought he was sane, just evil. And after several days, the jury couldn't agree, so there was a hung jury. The second trial was on February 5th, 1914, and after three hours, the jury found Hans Schmidt guilty of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to death and sent to Sing Sing, which I just like to say. It's a good Uh, song. Yeah. Schmidt's defense team filed an appeal which put his execution off for one year, and in December of 1914, Hans Schmidt admitted that he faked insanity during his trials and said that it was actually his lover, Ernest Murat that had killed Anna. The appeals were unsuccessful, and on February eighteenth, 1916, Hans Schmidt was executed by electric chair at Sing Sing. He was 35 years old. He's young. Now, that's me. During the investigation, a few other things came to light regarding Father Schmidt's relocations. Hmm.
0: Here's where the kid banging comes it in. It
2: seems a trail of unsolved crimes followed Hans wherever he went. It was discovered that Hans had another apartment that he rented for his lover, Ernest, where they had a printing press that made $10 bills, <laughs> which may not sound like a lot, but in today's money, it's the equivalent of $240. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let that sink in, how our economies changed. Um, it was also discovered that Hans and Ernest had been working on plans to commit a string of murders and make fake insurance claims, and Ernest was convicted on the counterfeit charges. in Louisville. The body of a nine year old girl was found in the basement of St. John's Parish. <gasps> Ooh, Here it comes. Girl, the girl had gone missing when Hans Schmidt was there. Unfortunately, a janitor named Joseph Wendling was charged with the crime. The child's body was found burnt, but also dismembered in the same way Anna Ammuller's was. Um, Joseph Wendling did have bloody clothes at his home. So, who knows? German police in Schmidt's hometown traced evidence of a murdered girl back to him, but they were unable to question him before he was executed, so that that case was never solved. So since the dawn of organized religion, the church has covered scandals and swept secrets under rugs. Priests have been relocated, air quotes, and have gotten away with too many horrible things, clearly including murder. Now, I know that not all clergymen or women, for that matter, are bad or are abusers, but what I do know is that absolute power corrupts absolutely and monsters have hidden behind the collar for a long fucking time. Mm -hmm. And that is the story of Father Hans Schmidt, the only Catholic priest to be executed in the United States. Good. Very Nice. Goo is right. That's a good one though.
0: You got some sources?
2: I do. Thank you for asking. <laughs> the heat's going to my brain. I'm sunburned too. I think I'm literally cooking. Um, <laughs> Wikipedia, Merdipedia, and all that's interesting, Nicholas Hines.
1: Your body is a convection oven. I am
2: I hot.
0: I'm I'm going to try and get a, a box unit in here. As soon as I can... I just can't do the portable one anymore.
1: <laughs>
0: I can't do the, the freestanding portable ones anymore. They're yeah. just not... I can't... With this new... With this setup, I can't do it.
1: Yeah. Well. Since we're talking about... Crazies. Go on! People being... Real strange fucking kids. Let's... Get into this guy. So, let's get into them. Uh, first, though, if you're familiar with horror movies of the early aughts, you'll know that there were a lot of remakes. Mm-hmm. A lot.
2: Mm-hmm. The before times.
1: The before times. The before before times. The before four. Uh, Yes. But if you're listening to the show, you know how we generally feel about remakes. We hate them. Not great. Uh, however. Depends. Exactly. There are always exceptions. There's exceptions to every rule. For instance, take 2001's remake of 1960's 13 Ghosts. Mm. Critics hated it when it came out, but it's gained a cult following. It's a real
0: campy movie, but it's fun.
1: It's fun. I've, it done fun. Sh- <sighs> I've done a shoot as the jackal. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's great. That's uh, to do with his head in the box, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. I have the cage. Uh, my friend actually had, she did a burlesque set as the Jackal, and then I borrowed it for the shoot, and she's like, I don't want it back. So I'm like, cool, now it's mine. <laughs> um, similarly, the 2005 remake of 1953's House of Wax, starring one of my top three favorite garbage gems, Paris, Hill, oh Paris Hilton.
0: That movie is so bad.
1: Exactly, and I love it. It's
0: garbage <laughs> gem, movie you know? is It's so shitty. It yeah. is, and it's yeah.
1: perfect, That just because of that. I mean, it's not, so when that movie was released... I remember uh, there was like, Paris Hilton had a shirt, I think it was like a promo item, said watch Paris die or something like that, and I really wish I had one. <laughs> like, for, I want one, real bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, most people hated that movie. A lot of people still do, but I love trash, and I don't think it was actually as bad as people make it out to be. The
0: original's better.
1: Well, of course. Vincent, Vincent Price can do no wrong. Generally always, and especially when Vincent Price is involved, yeah. of course. But if you're going to throw 2005 Paris Hilton at me, into oh it. yeah, I'm into it. Into it. It's like peak Paris Hilton, and she can, I love her. I can't help it. Tara Reid. Love. Paris Hilton. Love. Lilohan. Love. Top three garbage gems. Lelohan. Do, L- li- do the Lelohan. Don't make me do it right now. It's, it's too hot for we that. We might pass out. It's too. She's getting if it. If we
2: do the Lilo, we'll pass out. We have to do the Lilo outside where it's slightly I'm cooler. I'm literally cooking from the inside out.
1: Uh, <laughs> um, but that one scene in House of Wax, near the end, where the especially creepy part, where the discoverer, the wax figures are a- actually corpses. Yes. Mm-hmm. You see where I'm going They're with this? They're all melty. Do you see where I'm going with this? If not... Maybe leave a light on when you go to bed tonight, because this story is creepy as fuck. This was uh, sent to me by a couple different listeners. So this is a story of Russian Lord of the Mummies. Andre. Anatoly Anatoly Moskvin. Yeah, I knew it was something like that. Anatoly. Some
0: fucking Russian name. Yeah,
1: (sighs) it is. And it gets better. This guy. This fucking guy. This fucking guy. I mean it. I mean it. Especially the end. Oh, bless!
2: Yeah, so he, he's on my list. I'll take him off now. So you gotta. But yeah, he's he's um, he's a must. So
1: Anatoly Yuryevich Moskvin was born on September first, nineteen sixty six, in Russia's fifth largest city, Nizhny Novgorod. Mm, good job, thank you. I looked it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, Moskvin attended and graduated from Moscow State University. I couldn't find too much about his early childhood. Mm-hmm. Just one really important thing that I'll get to in a little bit. It had to
2: have been fucked
1: up. That's uh, all I can say. Ha, ha, ha. You are right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, at Moscow State University, he focused on philology. The which fuck it, is that?
0: The study of being Phil.
1: I'm. Getting, <laughs> you know that I'm gonna tell you. Literally, in parentheses. His
0: right name is Anatoly. It. Any name is better. So he's going with philology, philology.
1: to see uh, if that's what to do. That's not right at all. <laughs> philology is the study of language and oral and written historical sources.
0: Mm. Agree to disagree. Uh.
1: <laughs> uh, so he focused on philology, Celtic history, and folklore, as well as languages, of which he spoke 13, mm. and linguistics. Okay. Uh, since boyhood, Moskvin was super interested in death, the occult, cemeteries, and different burial rituals. Okay. Um, he fancied himself a necropolist, aka cemetery expert. Okay. And was considered an eccentric genius by his academic peers. Uh, allegedly, he had over sixty thousand books in his personal library, and also had a rather large collection of dolls.
2: Uh, Not weird at all.
1: <laughs> no. Moskvin would go on to become quite the academic and historian. Uh, he was a published author, Celtic studies lecturer, and magician.
2: <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> it's magic, Michael. Magic. <laughs>
0: It's Illusions, like, Michael. Illusions. Yeah. A trick is what a whore does for money.
1: Or, or candy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I we
0: all jumped. Yes. Always
1: yeah. bringing it back to fucking Arrested development. <laughs> uh, always. So he would also spend time working at the Institute of Foreign Languages. And in a huge surprise to absolutely no one, the 45 year old was a bit antisocial. Uh, He never dated, was allegedly a virgin. He never drank or smoked, and lived with his parents. Wow. (sighs) Winner. Yeah. Winner. Magic water. Hang on.
2: Yeah, no, we're. we're this Good is, God. This is a labor of love. Today, Shopping y'all. for
0: an air conditioner is making me hotter.
2: This is a labor <laughs> of love, just so you all know how much we love you. It's a lot. Um, it's probably 100%. It's so of degrees
0: hot in here. here. Right now, at least. so hot.
2: Um,
1: so, in 2005, Moskvin was asked by publisher and fellow academic Oleg Ryabov to research and write about the 752 cemeteries in Nizhny Novgorod. That's a lot. It's a lot of cemeteries. Um, as he considered himself an expert on the cemeteries already, as he had been known to wander them throughout his childhood just for funsies. I get that, though. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> but you don't.
2: Um, because
1: there's more, of course. Oh, I um, know. I know, I know. I So, know story. Moskvin happily obliged, stating, I don't think anyone in the city knows them better than I do. He was not wrong, I'm certain. So, from 2005 to 2007, he roamed various cemeteries in the region, taking detailed notes and researching the history of things he found inside the graveyards. At one point, he claimed to have walked 20 miles a day, and that he would even sleep outside on hay bales, drink puddle water, and once, he even spent the night in a coffin on the eve of someone's
2: burial. Puddle water. Puddle water. That's where I got stuck. (laughs) Huh. Okay. (laughs) I know. Uh, I was dude. Like, yeah, 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 he slept in a coffin. Fine. Puddle water. Puddle water. <laughs> Sleeping on a hay bale. Sure. Fine. But puddle water that sounds real itchy. It sounds like Giardia. Puddle water. Yeah. <laughs> puddle water <laughs> doesn't. Sound, it's the. Hay. It is. I mean, that sounds it's, like you're gonna shit your the guts out.
1: hay that sounded itchy, not the puddle water. But dude was serious about his research, guys. Yeah. Uh, Moskvin was stopped and questioned by police on a few occasions under the suspicion of vandalism and theft, but managed to never get arrested after sharing his academic credentials and purpose for being in the cemeteries. He was writing sure an article yes, about the cemeteries and the people who were in there drinking Water-key. water. Yeah. Yeah, rickets. The
2: effects of Giardia on your bowels.
1: <laughs> the effects of rickets on walking 20 miles a day in cemeteries. That's only and sleeping, the windows.
2: And sleeping
1: <laughs> on top of the graves, because that is a thing he also did. That kid's going to get rickets. That kid was gonna, definitely going to get rickets licking the windows at the airport.
0: I'm just going to say it again in a little bit more of a new... new what's the Hit that last line again. Uh, Never what? mind. I was trying to be funny and I lost the no, joke. It's Go too forward.
1: bad. <laughs> <Keep> <laughs> it's too bad. You stepped on it. It's yep. fine. Keep going. We're melting. We're all out of practice. Uh, Moskin worked as a freelance correspondent for the Nizhny Novgorod worker, where his father was also a sometime contributor. In 2008, Moskin wrote an in-depth series of articles about the history on the cemeteries of Nizhny Novgorod cemeteries. I said that twice, and there's no reason. Good job, me, for typing. I know <laughs> what I'm doing. I am a professional. Also, just as an FYI, the research he did from 2005 to 2007 has never been published. Mm. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, uh, however, Alexei Yesen, the editor of Necrologies, a weekly paper Moskvin contributed to, uh, they publish obituaries and stories about cemeteries and famous dead people.
2: Okay.
1: He has called the work that Moskvin did during that time both unique and priceless. I need Alexei to calm down a little bit. Right. But also, here's more as to why I need him to calm down. Um, as I'm sure you've guessed, by now Moskvin spent time in jail. Briefly. Sure. I'll get to that. Uh, but he was still being published weekly in the Necrology's publication throughout that whole time. Okay. Uh, and also when he was in an asylum. Um, an asylum? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Mm. So... He has a series of two documentary-style articles, Great Walks Around Cemeteries, and What the Dead Said, which is apparently about famous dead people buried inside of the cemeteries of Nizhny Novgorod. Alexei Yessen once said of the reporter and friend, all his life he was obsessed with walking around hundreds of cemeteries, studying and documenting the graves. There's nobody like him in Russia. He had researched over 750 cemeteries all over Nizhny Novgorod, um being paid miserable Kopecks for his priceless unique work.
2: Fucking Kopecks. Yeah.
1: Let it be known that Yesen also believed that Moskvin's arrest was a mistake and that he would eventually be exonerated of any crime. He was also once quoted as saying, many of his articles enlighten his sensual interest in deceased young women, which I took for romantic and somewhat childish fantasies that the talented writer emphasized. Okay, first of all... This guy doesn't get any better, by the way. Okay. Yesen. What? He's fucked up. Uh-huh, because he also told the Associated Press that Moscovin had certain quirks, quote-unquote, as a loner, but never gave any kind of indication that he was up to anything out of the ordinary. Sir, your good friend spends time sleeping atop of graves and twa- drinking puddle water. And and what was the whole romantic dead girls? Oh, that part, like, yeah. Uh, I mean, many, the- many. Of his articles, enlighten right. his sensual interest in deceased young women. Right. That's not normal, Alexei.
2: No, there's nothing romantic about it. No, it's gross. Okay. Necrophilia how many, is never great. I was just going to say, how many fucking times do we have to say it? We've said it so fucking
1: many. I feel too many. Once is good. Well, it should be. You, but you, it's clearly not. Clearly. So... You must be wondering why he was so fascinated with cemeteries and death and corpses to begin with. Sure. Well, according to Moskvin, so take it with a grain of salt. Mm, The fascination began when he was 13 and was stopped by a group of men in black suits on his way home from school. The men were apparently heading to the funeral of 11-year-old Natasha Petrova, and when they arrived at the service... Moscovin was forced to kiss Natasha's face three times. I kissed her once, then again, then again, he said later. Uh, he wrote about the strange incident in great detail in his last article for Necrologies in October of 2011. Uh, in the article, he explained that Natasha's weeping mother forced a ring onto his finger and gave him one to place on Natasha's finger.
2: Uh, I don't think this happened.
1: I don't know if it did. He said, my strange marriage with Natasha Petrova was useful. I'm just going to say, no.
2: (laughs) I just don't think that happened. Nope. I think he's full of shit.
1: Well, he is. Uh, But I can't tell you whether or not that happened because he's the only one that's ever said anything about it. Uh, But yeah, my strange marriage with Natasha Petrova was useful. uh, And he credited credited the event with his strange love of the dead. Uh, he was later introduced to black magic by a colleague, but that's all the history you need to know there, because with that new fascination came the idea of necromancy, Great. a.k.a. raising the dead.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Here's where it starts to get real bad.
2: Here, my daughter just died. I want her to be married. Marry her. She's dead. Just so yeah, I... she. He was 13, and she was 11. Grab this kid off the street. Here, please put a ring on my dead daughter's finger. Yeah. That didn't happen. I don't know though. It was Russia in the seventies. It's shit Russia in was general. weird. Never mind. <laughs> so it's fine. It's Russia. Whether Never it mind. happened
1: like that, there was more to it. I just don't. I didn't write it down because I'm like, I don't really care because this is the bulk of what he's saying. I don't need the flowery weird details, my friend. You're fucking weirdo. So, in two thousand, in two thousand and nine, police began investigating a rash of grave robberies and desecrations. Hmm. Uh, after Nizhny Novgorod locals began noticing the graves of their loved ones were being dug up with some regularity. Uh, in an interview with CNN, General Valery Grobakin, a spokesman for the Russian Interior Ministry, stated that our leading theory initially was that it was done by some extremist organizations. We decided to beef up our police units and set up groups composed of our most experienced detectives who specialize in extremist crimes.
2: The Americans did it.
1: Oh. N- no. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> graves continued to be desecrated, and none of the leads received by the Interior Ministry went to went anywhere for two years. Uh, law enforcement received their first big break in the case in 2011 following a terrorist attack at Moscow's Domodive Dovo Airport. Yes. It's hot, and my eyes are also very hot right now. Uh, they received several reports of Muslim graves being defaced throughout Nizhny Novgorod and eventually went to check out a cemetery where someone had been painting over the photos on Muslim graves but leaving everything and every other grave untouched. Hmm. So instead of the extremist organization they initially believed to be responsible, they discovered Moskvin, uh, who was detained after the police found him skulking around near the Muslim graves in question. A skulking. He was. There was no other way to describe it. Uh, after taking him in for questioning, eight officers went to search his home for evidence that would hopefully lead them to some answers. And oh boy, did they get him. Did they ever. So, upon entering Moskvin's home, there was quite a smell. Uh, neighbors said no. that they had never assumed it was coming from inside of his home, however, as the whole building smelled like something was rotting in the basement. Everyone just kind of accepted it and got used to it, in a way. Kind of like living in Albany, I would assume, where it, there's the paper mill and it always smells like farts. Yeah. But you just get, if you live there, you just get used to it. You don't yeah. notice it the anymore. The government fart factory. Like Camus.
0: Tacoma.
2: The aroma of Tacoma. Mm hmm. That's a thing.
0: Port Townsend has a paper mill.
2: Oh, yeah. Mm hmm. Everybody's, yeah, we're all all yeah. too. So we're all flipping our masks. Water up. breaks. And water um, what? We're, we're trying not to die, so. Yeah.
1: We're
0: gonna. Uh, we're gonna.
1: Being the stable genius that he was, Moskvin was a bit of a hoarder. So remember his large collection of dolls? Yeah, Uh, they were life-sized, beautifully dressed, and everywhere. Uh, Some of the dolls wore makeup. Most of them had their faces and arms covered by fabric. Um, In a video released later, you can hear the voice of an officer stating, These dolls are made of mummified human remains. The officers reported that once they had gone home, many shots of vodka were had. Can you blame them? No. Absolutely not. Uh, When police moved one of the dolls, music began to play. Gross. You see, it was later discovered that Moskvin had placed music boxes inside of some of their chests so they would sing to him whenever he touched or moved them. Uh... if that's not fucking bone chilling I don't know what is do you imagine being one of those officers walking into this already gross and creepy house apartment and knocking into what you discover is a mummified human body that starts playing a creepy music box song that at you a whole ton of them I don't like it
2: nor should you.
1: Mm-mm. Uh, As they looked deeper into the mess of Moskvin's home, they discovered shoes that matched the footprints found in many of the cemeteries that they'd been investigating, as well as plaques and photographs that had been removed from the gravestones, manuals on doll making, maps of local cemeteries, and a stash of pictures and videos uh, depicting open graves and disinterred bodies. Though, none of this evidence could be connected to any of the bodies found in the apartment. They also found that Moskvin had been keeping information on each of the female bodies he had taken for himself. In total, 26 bodies were recovered from his home, though experts suspect that he desecrated over 150 graves.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: While most of the bodies inside of Moskvin's apartment were local to Nizhny Novgorod, some could have come from Moscow, which is nearly six hours away. Jesus.
2: Yeah. That's some effort.
1: Uh, All of the mummies were between the ages of three and 30 years old. Uh, it's a really like depending on where you look, it's a lot different of an age spectrum, mm-hmm. but there was like between three and twelve, between fifteen and twenty five between ten and whatever. and so three and thirty was mm-hmm. kind of encompassing all of them, um and they all appeared to have died violently and tragically. Yeah. uh Moskvin also kind of turned each corpse into its own macabre shadow box. Oh. Meaning that he put personal items belonging to each girl inside of her body.
2: Where did he get, like, he got from the graves? Some of them, yes. Um,
1: one mummy had her hosp- the hospital tag with her cause and date of death on it. Oh, good. Uh, another had the name piece from her headstone. Okay. And a third mummy was found to have a dried human heart inside of her. I can't tell you if it was hers or not. Okay. Um... When questioned, Moskvin was cooperative and freely admitted to what he had done and informed the police that he'd been making these dolls for the last ten years. Yeah. Buddy, buddy, yeah. these aren't dolls. No. Buddy, no. Buddy, no. Um, now, if you're wondering how a 45-year-old man who lives with his parents got away with stealing corpses of young girls for a decade without getting caught, don't worry. I'll tell you how. Uh, his, parent, his parents spent most of the year each year Away from home. Weird. Large chunks of time. Moskvin's um, mother, Elvira, she was 76 at the time of the gruesome discovery, said, We saw these dolls but did not suspect there were dead bodies inside. We thought it was ho- his hobby to make such big dolls and did not see anything wrong with it. Cool. huh? Cool beans. Cool, wonder if, cool, cool. if you feel the same way now. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> So Moskvin was arrested and charged with the desecration of graves and corpses for which he faced up to five years in prison, as well as with the hate crime of defacing Muslim graves, which, a charge that was later dropped. During his interviews with police, Moskvin seemed to have a gross sense of pride when talking about what he had done. And just a heads up, this part is mostly quotes from him and they are genuinely fucking disturbing. Like, if you think it's bad, wait till you hear it in his own words. Uh... He allegedly dug up the first body in May of 2003 and went on to say, The coffin was covered with crimson synthetic matter. With a chisel, I hollowed out a hole in the lid of the coffin at the head of the bed, and through it, I pulled out what was left of the body. It was in very poor condition. The girl was dressed in a white blouse, black skirt, old tights and shoes. The child had long hair. Then I decided for the first time to try to mummify it. "'I moved the body to a remote corner of the cemetery "'and buried it in the abandoned grave of some grandmother. "'To properly mummify the body, "'you need soda and salt in various proportions. "'I bought these substances in the store, "'I found old stockings in the garbage dump, "'and made bags from them, "'pouring soda and salt into them and tied them to the remains. "'I changed these bags once a week. "'If people paid attention to me, "'I said that I was there to feed the birds.' On July twenty fifth, 2003, I wrapped the body in different clothes and carried it back to my home in my backpack. Within two days, I restored the body. I stuffed rags inside, then I sewed the body with threads and made a wax mask on her face and then covered it with nail polish, which I found in the trash. After that, I put, clo- I put her clothes on, which I also found in the trash. It doesn't get better. No. In an interview with some journalists, Moskvin went on, Uh, to go into even more detail about why he made these dolls. And boy, let me tell you, it just keeps getting worse. Oh, I bet. Here he goes. Uh, The thing is, I'm practicing black magic. (laughs) I wanted to revive them. I felt sorry for these children who could still live and live. I kept them so that when science learns to fight cancer, it can later revitalize them. Genetics are developing now very rapidly. I felt sorry for all these children. I am an expert in Celtic studies, and studying Celtic culture, I noticed that the druids had a tradition of communicating with the spirits of the deceased by sleeping on graves. When I studied the culture of the peoples of Siberia specifically, the culture of the ancient Yakuts there too, I found a similar practice. I also began to sleep on the graves of children who liked me. How he knows that, I don't know. Uh, The spirits of the deceased children came to me. Accordingly, that's I, how he knows. I guess. Accordingly, I checked whether it was demons that came or whether it was spirits. I collected all the information I could. Then, if possible, I checked this information. I was convinced that the spirits of the dead children really came to me. At first, I slept on the graves. Then I adjusted because it was not convenient to sleep there. Instead, I carried the bodies where it would be convenient for me to sleep on them. I began to dry them and bring them home. This was done very cleverly and slowly, one at a time, so nobody knew about it. I studied the theory, the technology of mummification from all available books. I studied the ancient Egyptian scripts. I went to Moscow especially to study the whole thing. Inquiring minds wanted to know what he was doing with these mummified remains. And before you get ahead of yourselves, Moskvin vehemently denied anything sexual happening with any of his girls, quote-unquote, and stated that he saw them as his children.
2: Oh, good. Yeah.
1: Police also said that Moskvin's crimes weren't sexually motivated, with one officer even saying he loathed sex and thought it was disgusting. I actually believe that. I don't think he did. No, I agree. I don't think he did. No. Um, In his own words, Moskvin shared, I talked with them. We had a hierarchy, our own language. We had, respectively, our songs. We had our own (laughs) holidays. We had our own inner peace. My parents saw almost nothing of this, and I did not let anyone else into this world. As a rule, my parents left the house for summer, leaving in April, returning in October. At this time, we were engaged in this world. I guess I really explored all that I could explore in this area of black magic. To be honest, I had my favorite children. I planned to keep my beloved children home in any case. Those that I liked less, I planned to take them to the garage, and they lived there
2: in the garage. Those I liked less.
1: Yeah. I did not disfigure them, did not dismember them. I applied all of my work gently, affectionately, politely. I even tried not to swear in front of these children. The fact is that I suffered very much from loneliness, especially during the summer period when my parents were not there and when they took the cat. (laughs) Thank you for making sure we know that you also have a cat. And they took Um, the cat. I sat them down. They had (laughs) holes drilled under their eyes. I don't know why he needed to tell me that. Specifically me. Specifically. Yes. yes. Uh, Uh, I showed cartoons to them. I played children's songs. I myself sang songs to them. Ordinary children's songs that I would sing when I have a live daughter.
2: Well, that's never going to fucking happen, you weirdo. You have to have sex. Ah, well. And somebody that'll have sex with you.
1: Again, well. Well. Uh, After that, we ate together, or rather, I ate. I just offered them food, as it is in the Celtic or Yakka tradition. I've been studying child psychology for about 10 years, preparing for the upbringing of a child. I have experience of communicating with living children from my tutoring. What I would do with living children, I would do with these. I treated them as if they were alive. They were just temporarily dead. And again, when he said that he talked with them, he meant literally because he would lay on their graves and speak to them. And claims that the girls told him that they wanted him to take them home. Uh, Moskvin also held birthday parties and celebrated special events with his creations. When asked if he knew he was committing a crime, he replied, Yes, I realized that it was illegal. But at the time, when the heroes of our science, Dubinin, Chetverikov, when they were experimenting with fruit flies somewhere in their closet, they also knew that it was illegal under the laws of Stalin's time. It was just then that genetics was banned. Now cloning is prohibited. From the very beginning, I knew that I was committing a crime, but I was so sorry for the children that, unfortunately, cloning is prohibited in our country. It will be allowed sooner or later. I just wanted some material for future cloning so that these children could live for a second time. I was very sorry for these children. Naturally, every time I dug a grave, I leveled it so that nothing could be seen so as not to disturb those who are relatives." The fact is that for 10 years, this was kept a secret. So I knew that none of the relatives of the deceased would ever know about this. I did everything neatly. I was not arrested in a cemetery. The MVD came to me quite on quite another matter and accidentally found the dolls. Nobody knew what I made these dolls from. Even my parents did not know. The children that I liked, I dried, resurrected, and brought to my home. Yeah. So when Moskvin was asked why he'd done what he'd done, he remarked that it was because he wanted a daughter of his very own, uh, and his parents had previously discouraged him from adopting a child, and that's when he decided to literally take matters into his own hands. Um, Before going to trial, Moskvin was given a psychiatric evaluation to see if he was mentally fit enough to attend a trial. And in May of 2012, Moskvin was diagnosed with a form of paranoid schizophrenia, and the Leninsky District Court found him unfit to stand trial releasing him from any kind of criminal liability or repercussions (sighs) even though he did confess to 44 counts of abusing dead bodies and graves released of all liability Um, in addition to his sentence I'm getting there he was ordered (laughs) to pay the equivalent of 75,000 US dollars to each of his victims families for moral damages
2: Does he have that much money?
1: Most likely not. Uh, Moskvin would then go on to tell the families of his victims that, You abandoned your girls. I brought them home and warmed them up. Ew. He also told detectives at one point to not rebury the girls too deeply because I will gather them again when I am free.
2: Oh, but he got released of all liability because he's insane. Sure, okay.
1: Well... Here comes his sentencing. So instead of incarceration, he was sentenced to coercive medical measures.
2: Uh oh Oh, God, it's Russia. Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So,
1: according to BMC Psychiatry, and this is a direct quote from their website, coercive treatment, CT, in Russia is a court-mandated medical measure applied to persons who committed a punishable, socially dangerous act and who are suffering from a mental disorder if it is proved that their dangerousness is due to such disorder. So basically, there are four different levels of this coercive treatment. Mm -hmm. One of them being you are held indefinitely in an asylum and it is approved. You get an extension approved every six months to a year to see if you are fit to do outpatient treatment or if you stay in that Facility. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, so the prosecution and the other one, because it's too hot, help prosecution. Defense. Thank Defense. you. Uh, they both found that acceptable and made no attempt to appeal that court decision. Moskvin was then sent to a psychiatric facility where the length of his stay would const- was constantly under review. All hearings to extend his stay at the facility and keep receiving treatment were shockingly approved. Um After three years of monitoring him in a psychiatric clinic, it is absolutely clear that Moskvin is not mentally fit for trial. He will therefore be kept for psychiatric treatment at the clinic, a spokesperson said in 2014. Um, Every extension request has been granted, all the way up until 2019. Damn. In 2018, psychiatrists claimed that they cured Moskvin. uh uh, But... uh, in what should come as no surprise, they changed their minds and took that claim back right quick after a new round of court-ordered tests showed that Moscovin's mental state had drastically deteriorated. Uh, the parents of the victims were rightfully horrified at the fact that he was going to be released. Yeah. Uh, but the judge's hands were tied due to stupid legal loopholes, paperwork, paperwork not being submitted in time, and another unexplained delay that kept his extension approval from going through, a.k.a. legal horseshit dickery um natalia chardimova mother of 10 year old olga who is one of Moskvin's victims stated that moskvin was evil and said that he is incurable if he is released he cannot be treated properly as an outpatient he will just stop taking pills and at some stage he will return to his sinister actions as he has promised to do this
2: creature said he'd do it yeah
1: this creature brought fear terror and panic into my life i shudder to think that he will have freedom to go where he wants. Neither my family nor the families of the other victims will be able to sleep peacefully. He needs to be kept under surveillance. I insist on a life sentence, only under medical supervision, without the right of free movement. By the way, this poor fucking woman, her 10-year-old daughter was murdered in 2002, and then her body was stolen by Anatoly Moskvin. Jesus. For nine years, Natalia Shardomova left flowers and mourned at her daughter's grave with no idea that it was empty.
0: Wow. In another
1: interview, she stated, I still find it hard to grasp the scale of his sickening work, but for nine years, he was living with my mummified daughter in his bedroom. I had her for ten years. He had her for nine. A oh. literal living monster.
2: Um,
1: Yeah, that one hurt. Yeah. That one hurt real that's bad. That's rough. Yeah. I had her for nine years. Or I had her for ten years. He had her for nine. Damn. Ugh. Despite receiving beatings in the facility, Weird, by, by patients and guards, allegedly, mm. being given upwards of 15 pills a day and being nearly comatose most of the time, Moskvin's own parents believed that he were if he were released, he would go right back to committing the same crimes or worse, and they agree that he should stay under the care of psychiatric professionals. Yes. Uh, it was reported in 2016 that Moskvin had met a 25-year-old woman from Nizhny Novgorod... Uh, And the two planned to marry when he was released. She is also an alleged student of philology. Mm -hmm. As of September 2018, Moskvin was facing the option of uh, an outpatient treatment option in his home. But I was unable to find any information on where he is now. Uh, It's rumored that he may have left treatment and is now living in Moscow with his young bride. Oh, God. If you have any information, please share. Oh, God. And that's the horrifying fucking ending of fucking Anatoly Moskvin. I don't know where he is. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, he's in Russia. Some fucking where, but good God. Fuck that guy. Good Lord. Fuck that guy especially hard. It's Monster Day. It is Monster Day. Monster Day. It's Monster Day. It is indeed. God, he's a creepy fucker. Monster and Monday. I've seen
2: video when they went in and they were looking through the house. Mm-hmm. It's wow. The dolls? Wow. Are horrifying. They are. They're really scary looking.
1: It's like when your grandma made those what were they called? Like dammit dolls where it's just an old nylon mm-hmm. around some batting yeah. and then buttons sewn to it and they they're obviously not actual
2: dolls. It's, they're really not good looking. There, what's,
1: what's his last name again? Moskvin, M-O-S-K-V-I-N. Uh, and my sources were Wikipedia, YouTube.com, Pronunciation Orator, uh, DarkHistories.com, DailyMail.co.uk, Will Stewart, The Daily Beast, Anna Nemstova, I'm sorry, Nem. nope, that was right. Good job, me. Good job, you. All That's Interesting, William DeLong, and BMC Psychiatry.biomedcentral.com <laughs> Nice, that's a long one. Thanks, it was, but yeah, I, Jesus Christ! Yeah, I know, you're looking at them, aren't you? They're like, there's, they're obviously
2: not just dolls. No, there's something, it's weird. So, oh, my face is real sweaty. My everything, it's. Let's we, wrap it up, y'all. We're literally sitting in an oven. I know. So. I,
0: I I'm I got to get confirmation from my landlord <laughs> that I can install a window AC, and I'm getting one tomorrow.
2: Nice. Oh, Anyway, well, yeah, uh, we was- are glad. We are still happy to be here. This yes. is e- even baking alive like I'm we just, are right now. I'm just going
1: to pretend like we're taking a sauna, and we're just
2: shedding it's the water weight. It's better than the call-in, so... <laughs> um, <laughs> Yep. But, uh, well, shit, we are going to wrap it up a little early today because, like I said, we are fucking... It's hot as fuck. It's We're cooking We're alive. literally
1: in sitting atop of the devil's nutsack right now. Just right up in the gooch. Mm-hmm. Just the devil's taint. Tucked just, on in there.
2: Just, just just curled up in the gooch, just, you know... Just cuddling up little... to the devil's taint. Three beans and the devil's taint. That's us. <laughs> That's us. Just, just Klingons all up in there in the taint. Anyway... So, uh, y'all know what to do. Rate, review, subscribe, share, share, share. So, until next (laughs) time, (laughs) y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Hexes and hoes, y'all. Bye. Bye. Fuck you, Bob. Fuck you, Bob. Fuck you, Gwyneth. Sideways, fuck you. Gwyneth, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Bye.